four-game lead in the division. Who expected this with less than a month left in August? Uh, the Twins keep losing. The Guardians keep winning, knocking off the Padres in a rather dominant fashion today. We're going to talk about the game. We're going to preview Seattle Mariners on deck, one of the best teams in the American League, on today's Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lockdown Guardians. I am your host, Jeff Ellis, uh, formerly of Scout, formerly of 24-7, now all of Locked On. I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever you get podcasts. Is Cal Quantrell, I keep wanting to say Paul, uh, is Cal Quantrell the Guardians' number three starter? Hey, let's think about it. You go through, and yes, Valle's had two nice shorter starts after a rather horrific start to the year for him. You look at Plesak, who has been incredibly up and down. We know who the number one and number two are. And you can debate the order on that. And, you know, I would understand either placement. But do you go to Cal Quantrell? Is he the number three? Has he put himself away as the number three? Let's just discuss, before we even get into the game today, his game logs of late. So, you know, this was the sick... Uh, Seven innings, five hits, no runs. Before that was that Detroit game where he gave up four runs in six innings. But before that, seven innings, no earned runs. Six innings, no earned runs. Three out of his last four starts, he's gone six or seven innings without giving up an earned run. He doesn't miss bats, and that's part of the reason why his FIP is always going to be bad. He's just he's kind of more of an old school old school pitcher. He is a grounded into the dirt, and hopefully you're going to get the ball is going to bounce your way. That is why FIP doesn't like him, because it's going to sit back and say that there is a degree of luck, which is fair. There is. You cannot really count on Cal Quantrell to be dominant. It happens, but it's not something you can count on every time. There's not a lot of guys. Uh, Brandon Webb is really the last one comes to mind. That was that just ground ball dirt killer who uh, you could count on to be dominant, who just no one seemed to ever be able to hit. Quantrell has been awesome of late. I think he's pretty solidly in that number three role if there's a postseason for this team, which, I mean, Twins lost tonight. White Sox won. Twins and White Sox now have the exact same record. Uh, 508 winning percentage, and the Guardians have opened up a four-game lead in the division. This is their division to win or lose right now. Um, you know, just to, if we talk about this is a little bit of a hard stretch. Four against the Mariners. Then you have Baltimore to end the month. After that, it's back with Seattle. Then Kansas City, to make it easy. Then the Twins. So, competition. I mean, it's not going to be like that's going to be a pushover. Angels, a team that seemed to be rolling over. One game against the White Sox on the 15th. That'll be a Peacock game uh, to watch on a Thursday afternoon. Then you got the Twins, the White Sox again. Then the Rangers, the Rays, before, I believe, ending against Kansas City. Yes, the Kansas City series where the Twins and the White Sox will face each other. So there is that, but let's be honest. Outside of facing Kansas City twice and, you know, the Angels, who have been a beat-up team, who have played better of late and who, honestly, remember at the beginning of the year, they beat up on the Guardians. Guardians have a hard schedule. There aren't a lot of cupcakes in this schedule. You know, they're done with the Tigers. <laughs> the Tigers were har- far from a cupcake outside of, like, one series for them this year. They got the Royals. But in that, it, this is a lot of... 
playoff contenders, teams who still think they have a chance. So we'll see. I, I don't want to sit back and say the Guardians are the favorites because they have the hardest route to get there. But the four-game lead in the division, you have to feel really good about their chances and opportunities to win this division. And, you know, if you want to flip it over and click on, like, what's their wild card standings look like. So if they don't win the division at a 541 winning percentage, they would currently be the number three wild card. <laughs> they would be a, you know, was it thousandth of a percentage up on the Seattle Mariners. So they really need to look at this as almost division or bust. Baltimore, by the way, two and a half games back in the wild card, four games back for both the White Sox and the Twins, and that is both in the division and in the wild card. So, yeah, Cleveland's, you know, the, yeah, the Angels, the Rangers, the Royals. Other than that, it's it's going to be a fight. And if they win this division, they will have earned it. Uh, they have taken the fight to teams like Houston, teams like the Padres. That's why they need to have a strong weekend against Seattle, who's the team who is record-wise closest to them, and show that, yeah, they are a team that definitely deserves to be in the postseason. They have maybe the best young core this year. When you look at 13 players made their debut, you look at what Stephen Kwan has done, you look what Oscar Gonzalez has meant to this team. He went deep again. Uh, you can just go through the rookies who have stepped up into big roles. And if they're not rookie second-year guys, step forward by Trevor Steffian. Nick Sandlin getting it together and what he has been in the pen. Like he's you know a little bit underrated compared to other pieces. It's all coming up Cleveland this year. Last year, it was not. Last year, you know, they went out and they invested in Eddie Rosario. They gave that money to Cesar Hernandez. They had their windfall from having traded um, uh, Carrasco away as part of that Lindor deal. And those guys were the opposite. This year, their two free agents, Luke Maley. Listen, under a million is fine for a catcher. And he has been, of late, more than passable. But passable over the course of the whole year. And then, I mean, Eniel... De Los Santos is one of the best free agent signings the last five years. What he has done for this team, I think that's a, especially if you want to look at cost effective, he's, I think if you made a list, and especially because this team seems to do really poorly in free agency, he'd be one of the best guys they've had the last five years, maybe the last 10 years. I'm just saying top five. Would he be a top five of the last 10 years? I think there's a chance just based on what he's done this year, because that's how bad this team traditionally has been in free agency. It's a fun time to be a Guardians fan. Lock into this team. Lock on to the Lockdown Guardians. We're going to come back in segment two, really sink our teeth into the game. We are then going to come back in segment three, profile this what is a very important series against the Mariners because they're going to play them twice in pretty quick succession. And again, this is one of the best teams in the American League. This is a team that they are competing for a wild card spot if things go right in the division. This is a team that... They have to beat out if they want to make the postseason. If the Twins or the White Sox get hot, if something goes wrong in the division, this is the other team to beat. And that's why it's very important to just take care of business and win the division, but also to show that you can take down the Mariners. One of the other great young teams in baseball. And we'll, like I said, we're going to get into the fantastically fun game today after a quick word from our sponsors. You're hanging out with some friends, putting back a few drinks, and a few becomes too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst thing that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers 
on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe, plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. So let's dive into this game as the Guardians keep winning. Uh, you know, I talked about I, I didn't love this adv- matchup for them, but, man, I mean, they took care of business. And you look at that Blake Snell, three and a third innings, eight hits, six earned runs, no walks, four strikeouts, three home runs. Jose Ramirez had two home runs. He had one in the first and one in the fourth off of Snell. Oscar Gonzalez had one in the fourth back-to-back jacks, if you missed it. Uh, Gonzalez, that was his, what, his fifth of the year. He's starting to have a little power late. My co-host is, is excited about it. For Jose Ramirez, he's up to 25 home runs on the year. Just likes, uh, likes playing in San Diego. In terms of who reached base twice, and I'm laughing because, you know, we talked about the potential trade. Stop. Old man. My goodness. Uh, who reached base twice in this one? Well, Stephen Guadagnetti hit in a walk. Jose Ramirez had three hits in a walk. You go further down the line, you have two hits by Owen Miller, which, of course, because you know, that's that's how it works. Uh, I had to laugh at when I was going through, you know, kind of rechecking. Uh, and I say, of course, because all my talk about Owen Miller not being able to hit lefties. This is not a game I got to see all of, so I don't know if he... I believe he got at least one hit off of Snell, though. But when you go to the inning, the fifth inning there, I do enjoy the fact that you go through that inning, and they have the, the or the fourth inning, I should say, where they scored five runs. That's what I said, the fifth. They have the back-to-back home runs, and they bat around. And then, you know, the other fun thing, and I, I don't think I... I think I missed it. Did I say that, you know, Maley and Straw each had two hits? I think I got distracted by the two hits of Owen Miller. That was the inning where it's like a strikeout. Then you have Maley and Straw. Maley, I should say, and Straw who get hits. And then Quan, does he walk? I can't remember. He, he's not an out because then Rosario flies out and Straw tries to score and is thrown out. And it's the over-aggressiveness on the base pads. But nice to see some signs of life from Straw. I get a ton of people... Who are like, okay, so who's going to play center field next year? Or uh, I don't want to put you on, on blast, Zach. I appreciate all of interactions. But, you know, it's, there are a lot of people who are like, well, Will Brennan can step in. And I always want to be like, remember, Will Brennan has significantly dropped off in the past few months. Uh, and the difference between Brennan and Miles Straw defensively is, is rather significant. Because the difference between Miles Straw and just about every other defensive player on the planet is is pretty significant. He is a top, you know top one percentile in terms of defensive uh, center fielders like the, in terms of all center fielders in baseball majors minors across he's you know the elite of the elite and we've seen you know richie palacios is a guy or will benson who put up great minor league numbers and struggled and there's a tendency with guys like brennan we look at him and we compare him to Quan. i think we have to sit back and realize there is not another steve Quan. what he is doing is utterly spectacular it is utterly special I've talked about that list of, you know, the the outfield production of a player they have drafted or signed and developed. And, you know, it's it's Luke Scott, it's Ryan Church, it's Tyler, Tyler Naquin, uh, Joe Nunley, and this is all since Manny. Steve Kwan is now fifth on that list with one season. And it, I know it's not a great list, but it doesn't change the fact that he is he's been great. Like, expecting anyone to live up to what he's done is is unlikely. And Oscar Gonzalez, I mean, it's 
kind of crazy what he has done. And again, let's point out the fact that no one expected that because they protected 12 players in the minor leagues at the end of the year from the Rule 5 draft. Oscar Gonzalez was not one of the 12. Okay, this organization didn't view him as the 13th best player in their minors because there are guys like Daniel Espino who they didn't have to protect, Gavin Williams. I'm not sure they viewed uh, Oscar Gonzalez as one of the top 20 guys in their minors. And, you know, we'll have to see at some point. You're like, I think the league will catch up to it. But I was saying the same thing about Salvador Perez back when he was a rookie. And yes, you can look at Salvador Perez's numbers. There were up years and down years. Maybe you're hoping for Luis Robert. The the one I hate, and I think I've said this before, is people throw out Vladimir Guerrero. A, don't use a Hall of Famer for your comp. B, don't use the unicorn of unicorns for your comp. And C, Vladimir Guerrero as a rookie walked 8% of the time, and in his best seasons was a double-digit guy. That's that's not Oscar Gonzalez. I understand, you know, big bodies, uh, swing at everything, but let's, let's, let's temper those comps. I still don't know. Like, I'm not going to sit back and say that I believe Oscar Gonzalez is going to be the right fielder of this team for the next five years. I, I think nobody knows. Uh, <laughs> you know, Fran Mo Reyes has shown us quite well. It's hard to bet on anyone, but I'm curious to see. We have seen, if you are a longtime Guardians fan, we have seen one year flash in the pants. We have seen Jody Garrett. We have seen Kareem Garcia. Uh, was it Shane Spencer, or was that just with the Yankees? I can distinctly remember... Like, I want to say it was after my sophomore year in college, sitting there playing Dark Cloud 2 on my PS2, listening to K&R on the radio, and hearing the, as I'm getting ready to go back for my junior year at Ohio State, go ahead and judge. Or maybe it was after my junior year getting ready to go back for my senior year at Ohio State. Either way, I was playing Dark Cloud 2. I can remember that. I remember hearing the radio spots about, and maybe it was, maybe you know, maybe it was during, like, spring break or something. But I remember sitting there at my mom's house as I came back and hearing that radio spot about Kareem Garcia and like telling you the story of Kareem Garcia. And yeah, it didn't come together. I'm going to pull up Kareem Garcia's stats to see if like he actually was good uh, in that year or if it's one of those things where like Pat Listash, where if you go look at the numbers, like no, Pat Listash wasn't good. We just had a different view on uh, we statistical numbers have evolved heavily in the last 20, in the last five years let alone the last you know 20 or so if you remember garcia was one of like was the next great dodgers prospects i was kind of curious so 2001 in 20 games he was pretty good but it was 2002 was that year and it's solid numbers like he had 16 home runs 299 batting average now here's here's where you know that times have changed a 901 ops that was in uh, 51 games 205 plate appearances the reason you know uh <laughs> that this was a different era. It's a 299 batting average, 317 on base. He walked six times. So Kareem Garcia actually is Oscar Gonzalez. Uh, you know, there, there's there's some room for comparison. Let's see. Uh, not as big, and Oscar is definitely a much, much better athlete. But yeah, there, there's some room if you want to have a highly negative comparison point. But I mean, at the same time, Kareem Garcia played 10 years in this league, and his career OPS is a 703. Yeah, it's during an era where they were higher, but still... Uh, I, d I don't want to just sit back, but, I, you know, I can distinctly remember that. I can remember those flash in the pans. Uh, I mean, Oscar Mercado, if we want to go more recently. So I, I'm not going to anoint anyone quite yet, especially when there is a noticeable flaw. Now, this isn't to say he's not going to work his tail off, because by all reports, everything that's ever been done, much like Benson, Oscar Gonzalez. Has the nice thing with Oscar Gonzalez is he's always seemed to believe in himself. The other nice thing about Oscar Gonzalez is he's been following me since he's 20 years old, so he... 
is a connoisseur of great content. I'm kidding. Um, but no, he works and he's always believed in himself and he's had that confidence to carry him through. And, you know, just the one hit today, but it was a home run, his fifth of the year. Box score bingo. Now, they didn't walk that much. Only two walks, 13 hits, so it's 15. That that comes out to an average of about five runs. When you add in the three home runs, that's why that shifts up. Other side of things, just one walk, six hits, no errors, no hit batters, clean game. That's seven opportunities. So San Diego, that should be about two runs. But I talked about yesterday. I'll talk about today. What happened when San Diego got guys on base? They have way too much swing and miss. Their lineup has way too much swing and miss. So that they're not getting the ball in play because we know, you know, bat pip exists for a reason. We know that baseball is the stat, the stat, the sport with the highest amount of luck built in. You have to make contact to take advantage of that luck. They're not making contact. Nine strikeouts today. And again, that's with a pitcher who is not a strikeout specialist. That's not Quantrell. Uh, that that could be a problem for San Diego. This is a team that has just too much swing and miss. And, you know, they have their own version of Miles Straw and Trent Grisham. Man, I mean, that deal with San Diego looks, with uh, Milwaukee, they are San Diego, looks so good for him at the start with Zach Davies being solid. Gresham, I mean, this is a team that needed outfielders as much as Cleveland has. Then Eric Lauer turned into Eric Lauer. Luis Reyes finally figured it out. Uh, shout out to my, my good friend, Taylor Blake Ward, who hit me to Luis Reyes back in the day. And so he was so high in the old scout top 100 list. If you go read that, uh, which I don't think you can <laughs> go back to this. Uh, now it's like a slam dunk for the Brewers. It's funny how trades can evolve like that. But yeah, the Guardians take both games. And, and like I said, this was a dominant one. They got the home run in the, was it the, was the first inning with Jose and San Diego, again, had opportunities in both these games and swing and miss. And that's That was what really held them back. When they got base runners on, they swang, swang, swung through too many pitches. And the other side of things, Cleveland also had nine strikeouts. So if we're doing in fairness, but if you go to the you know the first game, there was an imbalance there. And Cleveland didn't walk more. It was just one more walk. They had better quality contact. They were, you know, I'd, I'd be curious to look at pitch counts. I'm assuming... Snell's was uh, was pretty high relative to all things. They like seventy nine and three and a third, where through seven innings, Quantrill went ninety nine. So yeah, I, I think I'd be kind of curious. We know Cleveland has the lowest swinging strike percentage, some of the lowest strikeout numbers. Traditionally, like this game, they they swung through, but the fact of the matter is, when they get guys on base, more often than not, they have con- they make contact. In contact, people get mad about Ahmed Rosario and being one of the league leaders in. Uh, grounded in double plays. But at the end of the day, you'd rather have contact than not in most situations. We're going to take a break, come back, and preview the Seattle Mariners on today's Locked On Guardians. Let's talk about the Seattle Mariners here real quick. So the Seattle Mariners, as we talked about, essentially have the same record as Cleveland. Though I should double-check and see if their game is uh, is completed tonight or not. Uh, this is a team that was expected to compete, and they have. And they've been there. They had a slow start, but right now they're 12 games back. I mean, Houston has just been a force of nature in that division. Uh, it is interesting seeing you know the struggles of Jared uh, Kalenic. I still think I probably said it wrong. The Wisconsin kid who was the can't miss. Remember how bad that, again, let's talk about how trades can change. Remember how bad that Seattle deal was? And I'll still say it wasn't a great deal where they um, 
got Edwin Diaz and Robinson Cano because Robinson Cano is not good. Like, that was a silly deal at the time to take on the Cano contract. So yeah, you get Seattle, and they are playing well. Apologize for the awkward cut because I didn't want to cough uh, right here on the mic, and I thought it coming. Uh, it is kind of interesting, too, that when you're talking about Seattle, San Diego, Cleveland, the, the trade history there, not just, like, the three-teamer that uh, in the... Was that the... Well, no, they weren't part of the three-teamer, I'm sorry, because that was the Cincinnati Reds and the Trevor Bauer, Fran Mill Reyes deal, but that they got Taylor Trammell in that deal, who then was in the Austin Nola trade for the Padres. But uh, when it's Preller and DePoto, <laughs> a lot of trades are going to happen. So let's just get into it. Uh, should we start at center field where Cleveland has the clear advantage? I'm kidding. We will start where we start at catcher. Cal Raleigh, the former Florida State catcher, has been quite good. I believe he's like a third-round pick for them. I liked him quite a bit. I have to go back and look. I'm sure I can pull up a tweet. I, I thought it was a nice pickup at the time. I did not expect him to be this good. Like He's been a strong defender by Fangraph's metrics. A 118 runs created plus. Uh, you know, high K percentage. But I mean, he's an elite-level catcher right now. And nobody thought that. Because, again, this is a guy who was... He's a switch hitter, too. Third-round pick out of Florida State. And... That was about where he was expected to go. He's been worth nearly three wins. That's you know that is a a, a dunk, a great win. It's not the greatest. We'll get into this. Like they have a just a one absolutely phenomenal maneuver they made. Um, but we'll get there. I promise you, we will get there. So it's clear advantage. <laughs> Moving on to first base, this is where the dunk is. Adding Ty France. Now Ty France was interesting because there was various points where I talked about him quite a bit because I wasn't sure that. I was hoping San Diego wouldn't add him to their 40-man. I thought he'd be an interesting guy for Cleveland to consider because there was debate before, I think, the 2019 season if he would get added to their 40-man roster. He was added, uh, got some playing time, and was decent, kind of like a super utility type. And then he is, you know, that NOLA deal, the the pitchers didn't do much, Austin Adams and Dan uh, Altavilla. Uh, Andres Munez was supposed to be, you know, the potential closer of the future for Seattle. He's, I believe he's been effective for him this year, right? Is he still there? Yeah, he's been good this year. Uh, missed a ton of, I mean, actually really good for them this year, let's be honest. But you go back, I mean, what a win for the Mariners. You get Munoz, who we talked about with his production. Uh, they just let go Luis Torrens. At the time, some looked as the number two piece in that trade. Taylor Trammell, it hasn't worked out, but he just got called back up. Uh, but they got Munoz and Ty France in that deal. That's right. That was those were the guys they got in that deal. Was Munoz and Ty France? That's pretty darn good, if you ask me. And France has been spectacular for them. And he is one of those guys. We go back and we talk about the guy who was never a top prospect, but always performed. That's Ty France. He always performed. And again, he was a guy. There was he was a bubble forty man guy for them back in the day. And uh, that is that. That's a heck of a deal in retrospect for Seattle. So that's, um, you know, he has had some injuries this year. We're talking about France, but I I think he's the better hitter to Josh Naylor. I, I just, I do. I think that is advantage Seattle. Moving to second base, uh, advantage Cleveland. Uh, Adam Frazier, you know, I, I, this is one of those pat, my back on the, so pat myself on the back moments because I talked about it. Like his 2020 season, he had so much bad luck. His 2021 season before that Padres deal, he had so much good luck that he was going to regress. It was opposite ends of the spectrum. He has. He is a solid second baseman 
I, I don't think he's really much more than solid. He's just good. He's a great defender. The glove is going to be below average. He, You look at what he's done this year, it's kind of what you expect Miles Straw. Like an 86 run created plus with elite. Well, his defense isn't quite elite anymore there, but uh, it's an easy win for Cleveland at second. Shortstop, J.P. Crawford is one of the best defenders for the position. By the way, he was part of the uh, that Clint Frazier draft class. Like that draft class, I'm blanking if that was like 2013 or not. I'm probably wrong in my mind when I say that. Uh, I believe it was 2013. That draft class was very much maligned at the time. It's like this poor draft class. That is Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant. That is J.P. Crawford. That is Aaron Judge. We could keep going. It is actually a quite good draft class and shows we don't know anything. Uh, Crawford came over in... I'm trying to remember which deal that was. I feel like that was for um, a starting pitcher, maybe. But yeah, he has been a... You know, he never got a chance in Philly. And I never quite understand why he never got a full extended look. Was it the Segura deal? Maybe that's where it is. Now I'm thinking it's the Segura deal. Uh, yeah, it was Segura, and that's also Carlos Santana went that way. So, But yeah, no, uh, another strong deal. I mean, for making fun of DePoto all you want, like that's two really uh, solid deals to make this team. Looking at Crawford, he has been he's a better defender. There's no doubt that he's a better defender than Ahmed. And they, their runs created pluses are in line, so that's advantage to Seattle. So that gives them back their two-point lead. Going into third base, at third base, Seattle has you know Eugenio Suarez, who was essentially the cost of doing business for acquiring Jess Winker. And Suarez has now hit this year like he did back when he signed that contract where it was like his contract was he signed a Jose Ramirez type of contract and we thought this was one of the best contracts in baseball in terms of team friendliness and then he fell off a cliff he has regained form still a sky high strikeout rate but he's got a 128 runs created plus he's been an above average defender still advantage Cleveland but take a moment and realize another great deal by Jerry DePoto to build this team you know, he gave up one interesting, really interesting prospect and not even one of their top five prospects to get Jess Winker for the next two years because they took on Suarez's deal, knowing there was a chance that maybe they could get Suarez on track, and they did. So they upgraded two positions at the cost of one, lowered an interesting arm in Williamson, but a lower down the line prospect for them. And that is another huge trade victory. DePoto gets made fun of, but I mean, look at this team. Again, advantage Cleveland, but still. Heck of a job uh, with that move. So you got the you know third and short cancel out first. So it's what a, is that a one point lead as we head uh, to go to DH first? I always kind of forget about DH. DH has been Carlos Santana. It has been rough for Santana. You know they went out and got him when Ty France was hurt. He's been a below average at about a ninety one. You look at Cleveland, the player who has spent the most time at DH this week. It's been a bit of a revolving door. Uh, I still think it's probably going to be... Here's the question. Do you consider Miller at first base or do you consider it Naylor? And then if you're looking at DH, it's like, so the DH has been a bit of a revolving door and with Naylor. And so I think not just to make it so they actually win, I think you have to make Owen Miller the first baseman because he's actually played only first base. Naylor has two games at DH, which I think is the most of anyone who's played that position in the last week. So you could say that I'm, you know, moving it around to benefit the Guardians, but at the same time, I argue it's DH has been this roving position, and Naylor's the only one who's played multiple games. So 
if we make Owen Miller the first baseman, Ty France wins in a walk. Owen, uh, Josh Naylor wins easily over Carlos Santana. We move to the outfield. Center field is a big debate again. Julio Rodriguez wins. Moving on to left field, Jess Winker. And we've talked about, you know, people were really mad when Winker went out there. And again, great deal. He is a butcher as a defender, and he, he's a almost a platoon bat, but he's an effective hitter. I'm not saying he's not. He's been worth only he's not even worth a win this year, though, because of the bad defense and the bad splits. Stephen Kwan wins this rather easily. And if they had made that deal for Winker, maybe Kwan doesn't bring Captain with this team. Maybe it's one of those cases, like the best deal is the deal you don't make. The other side is Mitch Hanner. I always say his name wrong. I'm going to just say Mitch. So I don't butcher it. Uh, only 24 games. The guy just has not been able to stay healthy this year. You know, uh, Oscar Gonzalez. Technically, Mitch has been better. But when you're looking at availability, and you look at the fact they've they've run through so many people to play right field here, there. Uh, a little bit. Is Kyle Lewis hurt again? Is is Or is he just got sent down for being ineffective? You look at guys like Lewis, you look at Kalenic, you look at Taylor Trammell, big name prospects who have tried to fill that spot. And again, if Mitch was healthy the whole season, it'd be him going away. But it's 24 games, it's 104 plate appearances, it's subpar defense. I'm giving it to Oscar Gonzalez. Cleveland gets a one point advantage. Now, if you want to argue it should be a push, I could see that and see a tie for lineup. I think Seattle fans might strongly, strongly disagree with me, but I, I don't know. I think the logic is there. Let me know what you think on that uh, lightning round. It Starting rotation is, in my opinion, of advantage Seattle. You know, Robbie Ray, Luis Castilla, Logan Gilbert, Marco Gonzalez, not so much, but uh, George Kirby has been really good. You know, and again, Kirby, Gilbert, those are draft picks. Those are guys who, backpack time, I was higher on than the field, and they perform well. And that was one of those cases. Seattle's often had a, until the past few years, a similar view on a lot of draft uh, picks. And you know they've, they've had guys like Chris Flexen has had a bunch of starts for them, and he's been not great this year, but he's still like half a win. They, they've found some depth, but you look at that kind of top of it, it it's solid. Like, they go... You know, I like their top four more than I like Cleveland's top four. And if we just look at this series itself, uh, Thursday's game should be heavy advantage Cleveland. Friday game, slight advantage Cleveland. Saturday and Sunday, Saturday heavy advantage Seattle. Sunday, slight eh, heavy advantage Seattle. This, you know, a split looks possible. If we talk, you know, expand it out, talk bullpens. Again, Cleveland's one, two, three is so good. But at the same time, the other side has, you know, Munoz, who we already talked about. Paul Seawald, who is also awesome, uh, and Eric Swanson, who you might forget was, you know, part of that deal with uh, with Justice Sheffield and um, for James Paxton, right? Is that what I was, was going to type it out? But I'm pretty sure it's the James Paxton deal with Justice Sheffield and uh, and Eric Swanson and another, I think, a hyphenated let Dom hyphenated last name and blanking on I feel like another big prospect and you know Swanson looked like a solid back end starter he's been very good for them in the pen this year Diego Castillo has been solid I think it's a push because I think their pen has been very good I think they have a very solid pen uh, across the board it might be slight advantage Cleveland but I, I can I can see a push I can see a push I can also see 
you know, advantage Cleveland, but I definitely think it, it leans that way. Uh, if you feel like I've been too, uh, too much of making a big deal about how good Jerry Depoto has been. I mean, like I said, look at this. And then again, think about that. Now the Mets deal doesn't look as great now because, you know, I, I kind of forgot to finish that thought earlier, but you know, the Cano part of that deal always makes a win for Seattle, getting rid of the Cano contract. But Diaz has recovered and looks really solid. And Justin Dunn is, you know, not helping this team. And Jared Kalenic is not helping this team. And if it wasn't for the contract of Cano, that would be one of those deals you'd look back on and say it was a bad deal. But they got rid of the Cano contract, so it's not. And I think you have to... And can we do a quick second to shout out former Guardian Sam Haggerty? Like, he was a late day three pick who... Was he who we traded to add, um, I was going to say Kevin Plowecki, but I don't think that that may not be right, but he was a minor piece that was traded. He's bounced around, keeps finding a home, second base left field. He's got a 144 runs created plus this year, been worth 1.3 wins. Uh, now the bat pip is a 390, but I mean, for a guy who was a day three pick, good on him. Like he is 24th rounder, 724th player selected. You know, this is a, a scouting victory for Cleveland, even though he never has played a game in the majors with Cleveland. Uh, good on Sam Haggerty. I'm Jeff Ellis. This has been the Lockdown Indians, Lockdown Guardians, I should say, podcast. Remember to rate and review, download daily. It helps. Uh, up to 560. We're slowing. Let's get some more subscriptions. Uh, get your friends and family to join in. We uh, might be some co-host chatter. We'll see if it comes together. I'll just be honest, as I always am with the listeners and crowd. I have for about two years tried to get a consistent co-host paul um and caleb were great but paul and caleb paul see this is what happens when i try to to rush through things pat not paul pat ay 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 and and pat (laughs) pat's a better writer than i ever was so i should really be giving him credit uh but you know pat and caleb were great but pat and caleb were busy people and uh you know, we, we are sad to see them go, but we've been spending the last year looking. And there's been some big names who came close, and I think we're close to adding that co-host. I know people have wanted that, so and, and I've wanted that. You know, I, listen, I love doing the show. I love interacting with everyone, but 800 solo episodes is a lot of solo episodes. Uh, so hopefully, I'll have some news to announce soon on that. We'll see. Uh, I'm going to have a conversation tomorrow. So we will, I will have more in the pipe with that. Uh, again, I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been Locked on Guardians Podcast. Remember, review, download daily. Get those subscribers up, up, up. And as I end every show, go, go, Guardians, go.